And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Welcome back. I'm still not David Spada. This is Elliot Harris. And on the line we have Tom Flores, the former Oakland Raiders coach, also a former NFL player. In fact, Tom and Mike Ditka are the only two people in NFL history to win a Super Bowl as a player, as an assistant coach, and a head coach. Tom Flores, welcome to Sports and Torts. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. I'm just uh, relaxing here and enjoying myself, getting ready for the big game on Sunday. There's a big game Sunday? Who's? I think so. Uh, it, there's a, well, I know there's a big golf game on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of Phoenix, and uh, uh, I might even play golf myself. I'm not sure yet. Well, in the Chicago area, we could even play golf. The weather's been so nice this yeah, winter. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I mean, I've been watching that all over the place. I said, wow, this is crazy. Okay, so... Speaking of Super Bowl Forty Six, who do you like between New England and the New York Giants? Well, I don't. You know, I'm I'm, I'm an AFC guy and an old AFL guy, so I always pull for the AFL AFC. Uh, but I tell you, this one is going to be uh, this is going to be another uh, tight game. They played a great game before. They played a great Super Bowl a few years ago, and I think it, it has the makings of something like that because uh, the Giants seem to have peaked at the right time with their defense getting healthy. A lot is, uh, Tom, David Spade, a lot's made about when Doug Williams was the first African-American to be a quarterback in the Super Bowl, but you were the first Hispanic starting quarterback in history. Was a lot made about that back then? No, not really. You know, you know a lot was made of, uh, you know, minorities, but, uh, you know, but they didn't make a big deal out of, uh, you know, my being the first minority head coach or minority quarterback, uh, no, they they just didn't. Uh, why I don't know, but they just chose not to, and I never made a big deal of it because it never it never occurred to me about that. Do you think in the coming years we'll see more Hispanic players in the NFL? I think you'll see little by little. You see more uh, Hispanic heritage. Uh, you know, by by uh, nature, you know, we haven't been a real uh, a big uh, you know ethnic race. Uh, you know, the NFL is built on big people. Uh, but you're seeing more and more, as you see, you know, you've seen the, you know, the tight ends, uh, uh, crews, uh, with the Giants. And so you're seeing more and more. So I think, yes, I think you'll see more now because, uh, evolution has changed the, the way, uh, the structure. When you were quarterback in the Raiders, you had some pretty good linemen there. I mean, future Hall of Famers and Gene Upshaw, you had Art Shell, Bob Boomer Brown, I mean, Ryan Mix for a little while. I mean, how much did you attribute your success to that line? Well, the, the, uh, my, uh, you know, when I played, I played in the 60s. When I coached the assistant coach, they were there mostly when I was an assistant coach. Upshaw and Shaw were there my first two years as a head coach. They helped me win my first Super Bowl as a head coach. And then uh, after that, you know, we went, uh, we had different guys, uh, um, you know, Bruce Davis and Mickey Marvin and uh, Henry Lawrence and Dave Dalby. Uh, they, they were mostly my, uh, my line when I won my second Super Bowl. So, the, the the changing of the guard uh, is usually a slow one when it comes to offensive linemen. But you build your team. Uh, we always felt, uh, and uh, you look at the teams that are winning. They build their teams with offensive linemen. Uh, that's the first thing you look at. What was more gratifying, winning as a player or winning as a coach? Well, 
That's it. When I my first one as a player, I was a backup quarterback with Lenny Dawson uh, with the Chiefs, and uh, that was just a great thrill. And, and uh, but I probably my my favorite and most uh, everlasting one was my first one as a head coach when we won as a wild card in Oakland, and, and uh, I thought that was just a big accomplishment because we struggled and struggled and struggled, and finally we we got in and. Uh, and when we got in, we peaked at the right time. So that's that's the time you want to peak. Because your running backs weren't that great on that team. You didn't have like a superstar running back. When I remember you, like Kenny King, and were Van Egan on that team? Van Egan was on the team. Van Egan was a, was a, an outstanding player, fullback, uh, and uh, but you know you wouldn't put him there with a the, with the premier. He was a fullback. Uh, nowadays, you don't even have fullbacks like that. And Kenny King, we acquired that year in a trade with Houston. And uh, Kenny gave us some good years there. And then uh, the following year, or the uh, two years later, we had Marcus Allen. And uh, But uh, you're right, we just put things together. Uh, we picked up Bobby Chandler from Buffalo. We picked up Burgess Owens from the Jets. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's what made that Super Bowl so special. We had guys that had maybe one or two years left, and they gave it to us. Uh, and they, they put it all together, and we resurrected Jim Plunkett, and all he did was help us win two Super Bowls. So uh, we had enough big players like Hendricks, Lester Hayes, that knew how to win, and uh, that was a pretty good combination in those days. How surprising was it when John Madden resigned and all of a sudden you become elevated to filling well, that position as coach? Yeah, yeah, the surprising thing about John resign, uh, you know, retiring uh it wasn't if you live if you were there. I was there for seven years with John, and I could tell that he was getting tired. And uh, you know, the, uh, ten years in in the, in the oven like uh, that you are as a head coach. That's a that's a hot box for the head coach. The, the pressure that you that's put on you, and and especially the the pressure that was put on him there and uh, me later. Uh, uh, it was uh, you know it, it wasn't shocking. But uh, it was kind of a little bit of a surprise. Uh, and then when I got uh, through my hand in the ring, uh, I wasn't overly surprised that Al uh, picked me because uh, he knew me. I mean, I had been there since with him for long, many years as a player, assistant coach. So he knew me pretty well. Was Was there any idea that Madden would go on to become this media sensation that he's become, has a video game named for him and all this other stuff? <laughs> no. No, that, that you talk about a, a magical story. I mean, but John was always entertaining. Uh, you give him the mic, he was always very entertaining, and and uh, he just didn't want to fly anymore. So he, his shtick became that bus that he had, and and then he became so good on TV, and then uh, he became such a big name. He be you know he's like a rock star, uh, and uh, wherever he goes, he had that Madden Cruiser, and uh, and then he came up with the game. And timing, his timing was perfect for what he did and what he has done. So did Wait. he? Did he ever serve you turducken? <laughs> no, no, we didn't. We didn't. We we were working on Thanksgiving days. We never had a chance for a turkey like that. And I, and I have no idea where that came. that came from. Outer space, I think. Like <laughs> we talked to we talked to Willie Brown a couple weeks ago, and he basically said that Al Davis was very loyal to his former players. That if you were part of the Raider family, you were part of their family for life. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know, I played I, when Al came to Oakland in 1963. I was his quarterback, 
and I, and I was traded to Buffalo in 67, and then, but I came back as an assistant in 72 and stayed with him as an assistant head coach all the way through 87 and then came back as a radio announcer and, and uh, been radio announcing for now for 13, 14 years now. And, uh, but I, I never left, really, in reality. Uh, I mean, he was always part of his family. Uh, he never forgot it. And uh, if there was anything that needed to be done, he was the first guy to call. So, uh, yeah, to, to, once a Raider in his family, you're always a Raider in his family. Okay. Now, after his death, the franchise continues. Does it still continue in a similar Davis vein, or can you sense the difference in management style? Well, the management style has to change. Uh, Al was the last of the true micromanagers. I mean, he, re- he managed everything, everything uh, probably from even ordering the pencils in that organization. So there's not going to ever be another guy like him in, in uh, the football world or maybe in any sports world. I mean, so now it will change in uh, Marcus uh, taking command and, and uh, his son Mark. And Mark Davis knows that he's not Al, so he he's going to go maybe not the traditional way, but more traditionally with a general manager, football guy, and a head coach working uh, side by side, and now a new head coach, and uh, and he overseeing the whole operation, uh, and that's what they need. They need a football person in there running the football end of the, the business, and and uh, and being have an input with a head coach. They, they, you have to work side by side. That's the way most operations work now. And uh, Reggie McKenzie certainly has uh, has been uh, schooled in in an organization, the Green Bay Packers, that knows how to win and how to put an organization like that together. Do you take any pride in knowing that you were the Raiders head coach for eight, nine years, and besides John Madden, no one else ever lasted even close to that amount of time? Yeah, I sure do. You know, and, and one of the reasons, uh, my, my rationale and all that is that John and I knew Al, uh, you know, I grew up in, in that system. I knew, I knew what to expect. I knew what was expected of me and what I could expect from the ownership and that, which was Al Davis. Uh, and John did as well. Uh, the other guys that came from the outside with the exception of Art Shell did not know and, uh, they weren't willing, obviously weren't willing to accept that kind of, of uh, uh, partnership. You know, Al was involved in everything. Uh, he was a football guy. He was night and day, you know, day, you know, uh, seven, uh, every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, football and that team. And uh, if you weren't on the same page, uh, you were not going to get along with him. Now, during your time with the Chiefs, did you take away anything from having Hank Stram as your coach? Oh, absolutely. And I think, I think as you, you know, I always, I always tell people this, uh, you know, the young, young coaches starting out or young players, I said, you're going to, you know, if you play a long time, coach a long time, you're going to play and coach for different, a variety of different players, coaches. That's just the way it is. Learn from your peers. And uh, take away the things that you like, but also remember the things that you don't like, and so that you don't do those things when you, if you ever have a chance to run your own team. Hank Stram, I, I, I really liked Hank. He was an OFL guy, very organized, very classy. Everything was uh, was very well organized. 
practices were organized, and uh, he he brought a certain style to the game that uh, that uh, was enjoyable to watch and to be around. Were his toupees well organized as well? <laughs> yeah, well, they got a little carried away sometimes. Uh, he wore, he would wear a hat once in a while, but uh, he had some pretty good ones. He had a, a variety of, of, of toupees that uh, they're pretty stylish. You know what's funny is with the Super Bowl, how would it's basically changed from what it started to now. Now you got Madonna doing the halftime show. Your first Super Bowl with the Chiefs, the halftime show was Carol Channing. I just saw that. I was laughing. <laughs> well, the first Super Bowl ever, the Super Bowl one, the Chiefs and the, and the Packers, I think they had a high school band or something. Right. Or something. And so, yeah, it has come a long way with Madonna and, and uh, you know, the, the, the mishap with uh, Janet Jackson, was it, or whatever. Right. The so-called, the, the alleged mishap. Right. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes you wonder what, what is this world coming to? We got, you know, let's not get away from the football part. The football part is still what people want. You know, yeah. there are a lot of people that, that watch just to watch the commercials and the halftime show. I mean, that's, that's the way this uh, business has gotten. Yeah. I, I can remember back in the day, you'd watch the football, the commercials come on, you go take a bathroom break or you go to the fridge no. or whatever it is. Nowadays, during the game, people will take those breaks and they'll, They'll look at the commercials instead, and I'm thinking that's crazy, but that's the way the world is sometimes. Yeah, well, it's all you know. A lot of showbiz involved, and when you think about football, everything that has been uh, developed and the evolution of uh, television and all the little gimmicks that they have come up with, they're perfect for football. I mean, there's no other sport that goes with all the replays, the slow mo. You know, all the stop action, all the stuff because of the dead time in between plays, it's perfect for all the gimmicks and all the gimmickry of of, uh, of television. Football is perfect for it. That's why football, I think, is the most popular sport um, on television in the country. I can't believe you're not in the Hall of Fame. You won two Super Bowls, basically, as a coach. Your teams were competitive every year. You won it as a player. Do you ever think to yourself, you know what, what do they got against me? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm very guarded in, in my comments on that because uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to self-promote. Uh, but I guess sometimes maybe that you have to self-promote and be a little outrageous and crazy sometimes to, to get some attention. But I think that the voting is is the, is really archaic. Um, I think some of the people that vote are just not connected with what it, what what does it take to get in, and uh, you know what is. Uh, uh, the credibility that of people that get in, and I think it's also based on more recent people, not not the old timers as well. So, uh, you know, that's what it is. It is what it is, and I can't. I don't have any control. I wish I did, but I don't have any control with it. Well, and then you'll see players, well after they're retired, they have a, a media person who makes a moving presentation, and all of a sudden. The guy does well on a ballot, and then the next year, and the next year, and the next year, and eventually we'll get in. But it seems almost as if you need to have somebody, a spirit carrier on your behalf to help get you through that door. And it, that seems agree, like sort yeah. of a goofy process. Yeah, I agree, because I asked you know, friends of mine that are in that room, and they say, well, how do you guys have any, any uh, set pattern, any set uh, standards for the way that the meetings are conducted? And, and uh, this was a while back. So, no, not really. You get up and start presenting your guy, so, uh, you know, I almost feel like whoever is the loudest and the strongest and, and has the most clout in that room 
is going to get their guy, you know, at the head of the class. And uh, that does not seem like a, you know, a viable and, and a credible uh, process to me. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys. There are a lot of guys that deserve to be in. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm not on the committee, so I'm not in the room, so it's hard for me to to uh, accept the, some of the things that go on behind closed doors. But that, it, like I said, it is what it is, and I can't change that process. Um, the old-timers, the old-timers uh, process is a lot more simple. Uh, you know, the way that John Madden got in, Hank Stram got in, George Allen got in, all these Dick LeBeau uh, got in. Uh, you know, you, but you have to be out of the active football uh, playing for uh, or coaching for 25 years before you qualify for that. Now, you spoke about the uh, TV friendliness of the NFL game. It seems almost as if today's NFL is like a video game and the play on the field emulates the video game, you know, the Madden 12 or whatever it is out there. What What's your assessment of the, the offensive nowadays? Well, I think it's become uh, kind of a passing game. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at the, the, the rules changes have really opened up the game to more passing, uh, more scoring. And that was by, that wasn't by accident. That was because the NFL wanted a more exciting game and, and exciting games are games where a lot of scoring takes place. The old fashioned, uh, three yards and a cloud of dust. Uh, just don't exist anymore. The Vince Lombardi ways, uh, it's just not the style anymore. The evolution has changed. And, uh, and you look at even beyond that, uh, the colleges have changed. Uh, the colleges have thrown the ball more now. And, and uh, so because of that, uh, you know, you, you're seeing a different ball game because of that. The, the video games are more successful. All the little gimmicks that, like I said, all the little gimmicks that they have out there are are prominent and uh and also fantasy football look how big fantasy football has gotten uh people are uh some of them are more into fantasy football than they are the real football yeah it, it gets you rooting for players rather than for teams and i i never yeah i, I never quite understood that you know i yeah. i have a team i root for and i'm supposed to root for this guy on another team to score points for me yeah i know that you say wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute and they say wow look at this wait a minute we lost the games. Yeah, but look at all the scores. <laughs> look at all the things. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a, I'm an old timer. You win or you lose. That's the only thing that matters. But now, in fantasy football, all my guys did. <laughs> they uh, have a lot of fun though with it. Yeah, it's just another extension of what is, I think is at the core of, of the popularity of NFL, and that's betting, gambling, having some financial uh, participation in, in the whole thing. I think if you took the the betting away from the NFL, it still would be a great game, but the interest I think would be diminished. Probably so. Probably so. You know, a friend of mine sent me. Uh, I don't know where he gets all this stuff. But he sent me. I've got. I must have fifteen pages of things that they bet on in Vegas. I mean, it's incredible. They, you know, what color the great Gatorade is going to be and stuff like that. And I said, "What are you talking? I never bet on a game anyway, and I don't care who's going to win the coin toss. Who's going to, you know." Uh, it, it, well, who's going to score the first touchdown? And all these fun things have odds, and and they're all uh, on the you know on the line in the, in Las Vegas. You can bet on them. So I said, wow. I said, this is crazy. You spend your whole life doing this. <laughs> hmm. 
Uh, the, only, the only surefire bet was Al Davis wearing white pants. That's true. White <laughs> pants, white shoes, white pants, white. Well, once in a while, black shoes, but white pants, white shoes, and uh, and having his pompadour hair haircut and all that stuff. Yeah, okay. Al was a unique guy. <laughs> Indeed, Tom Flores, thank you very much for your time. You've been a delight to chat with. Good luck. All right, guys, enjoy the game, Sunday. Okay. Who are you guys picking? Who are you picking? I'll go with the Giants. I'll go with the okay. Giants again. Yeah. Shows what well, we know. I you, they, like I said, they, well, listen, they have peaked at the right time. Their defense, if there's a defense, you know, it's interesting because they're the front four. They don't blitz a lot. Uh, so if they don't, they're going to have to have a lot of guys in coverage and teams that don't blitz a lot have a better chance of covering because they can put, you know, man up a, and have some help deep uh, as opposed to teams that are taking a chance because you try to blitz but Brady, he'll get the ball out and, and hurt you. So it's an interesting concept, and they're, they're, they're doing a good job with it. Yeah. All righty. Thank you again. You bet. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Tune in next week when I guarantee you we will have a female guest in studio. This is Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.